from KQED. everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. Today we're lucky to be joined by Zara Norbash. She's the comedian behind such shows as All Atheists Are Muslim and Hijab and Hammer Pants. She's also a podcast host and a self-described pork-eating, alcohol-drinking, premarital sex-having Muslim. Woo! Welcome, Zara. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, we had to after finding out about your podcast and just hearing about who you are. I'm in charge well, of everything. Uh, obviously. Exactly. Feminism, mm-hmm. Islam, <laughs> Iran. All of it. Anchor babies. Yes. <laughs> All of those things. And now you're in charge of the cooler. Thank you. Well, so, so tell us what we're doing sorry, today. I, this is Sorry, I'm just going to, this is news to me. <laughs> <laughs> Carly's like, I thought I was in charge. I'm insecure because I'm going on vacation next week and I'm already thinking like I'm going to be supplanted. Oh, there you go. And now I see. Mm-hmm. Now I see how mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. Well, this is the best way to do acquisitions is by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Good Muslim, bad Muslim <laughs> creeps its Sharia into the cooler. Slip it right in. So you mentioned your podcast, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. That title is coming from a contradiction that a lot of American Muslims have to deal with, where the more you assimilate, the more American culture is like, oh, you're one of the good Muslims. And the opposite might be true from a Muslim perspective. So what has been your process navigating that blurry line between those two things? More and more, I see it now less so as a contradiction and more so as the phenomenon of oversimplification that has taken over this planet. Mm. Mm. It's, uh, I think, probably the most terrifying terrifying thing has become the oversimplification of very complex ideas and circumstances and identities for the benefit of murder, destruction, and arms dealing. In a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Too oversimplified. (laughs) If you just could just break that down. (laughs) That's my sound bite. It was a good one. It's the elevator pitch. There it is. This is like, you know, Muslim leading the way into doomsday. (laughs) Uh, And it's so much so to the point that I now have a comedy show that I'm doing tonight after this recording. Very exciting. In Oakland, it sold out. Too bad, too late. (laughs) You missed it. You slept on it, sorry. On behalf of all Muslims. Obviously, Mm. because you speak on behalf of half of the world. 1.7 billion people and growing. All of them. It's important to have a brand, and you're sticking to it. (laughs) Just like Gwyneth Paltrow. Just like goop. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I've realized is that there's this like incredible amount of authority given to imams who have not been on NPR as much as me. Mm. That doesn't seem right or fair. (laughs) Exactly. And so I decided to be the one. (laughs) Take the power back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Because like most hero stories, they always wait for the call. Mm -hmm. I don't need to wait for the call. Why wait? Not you. Why wait? Nobody needs to say it to Zara. Wake Pro up, Neo. Active. <laughs> I just pictured like a bat signal, but instead of the bat signal, it was like an outline of the Quran or something. And it's like, oh, <laughs> well, I must a, go. Just a, a square, just a book. Yeah. There's an Arabic like, text. Can you imagine the fear in America if that happened to this guy? They'd be like, it's happening. And very oddly, the GOP would respond with open arms because that's <laughs> what's going on. Like, I am here, like, sitting in the aftermath of the Muslim ban, which is literally like, he put a ban on seven countries fighting ISIS. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then I'm watching the GOP talk about creeping Sharia while taking reproductive rights away from women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm just like, opposite day? Everything is terrible uh, day? Right? Like, Self-awareness day? Yeah. <laughs> All of those things. Just, anything awareness? <laughs> anything? I'll take anything. I have this experience of just like on a regular basis holding my breath and then either being delighted or horrified by who I meet. Any amount of awareness from anyone <laughs> is such a glorious gift. You're like, oh, you think I'm a complete human? Wow. Like, like refreshing. When people yes. are like climate change and you're like, you believe in it? <laughs> And also, I would like to thank, on behalf of all Muslims, the presence of secular disasters. Anything not Muslim related, I'm like, icebergs melting. That's not a Muslim thing. I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Please, let's continue to talk about this. My Netflix queue is just like a series of climate change apocalyptic documentaries. <laughs> Do you have a picture of Al Gore in your bedroom? So, oh, well, no, because he invented the internet and that's destroying us. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. mm. No one's good. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is problematic. So you recently wrote a piece uh, for NPR called After Trump's Election, A Non-Practicing Muslim Returns to Prayer. In it, you talked about how the election of Donald Trump has like prompted you to go back to some practices you did as a child. Mm. And I've been listening to Good Muslim, Bad Muslim recently. Good job. Uh, and I heard you say that your father has said that you owe President Trump some heaven points. And I just want to know, are you awarding those or not? Like, is that happening? Oh, my God. Or how many points did you delve out? Or are you not doing that? Or ugh. Seven ugh. points for Slytherin. That's Definitely exactly, Slytherin. Like, that's exactly what happened. My dad basically was like, I have to give seven points to Slytherin yeah. now. Ah! You don't, though. <laughs> just, right? Just keep the points. I'm holding on to those damn points. <laughs> ugh, I just got a vision of him in my head. Just being, I have so many heaven points. <laughs> Tremendous. My, my heaven points are huge. Huge. Sad. I made a Muslim girl pray for her life. <laughs> but wait, Terry Gross knows who you are. She said my name. Like, that's a big deal. Oh my God. The queen. Did it? Yeah. How did that feel? Uh, incredible. I came several times <laughs> during the recording. To the station, KQED, to record your piece. Is what you exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm trying meant. to get around the FCC. You came here into this room to record. That's what I meant. I I was quivering because I came into <laughs> KQED to sit down and record. It that was a really incredible process. I uh, they had contacted us uh, Taz and I about um, Taz being your co-host on Taz Ahmed, my co-host on Good Muslim Bad Muslim. Shout out to her. Hi. Hey Taz. Love and, you. Yeah. And. Uh, they asked us if you know we had any thing we wanted to say after the election. It was like, oh boy, do we? <laughs> Where do I and, begin? <laughs> yeah. And I had mentioned like you know one thing that has happened is I find like th there was this thing that happened to me when he won that I reached for these verses of comfort that I had learned as a child and I couldn't find them. Mm. They weren't there, and I kept going back into the attic of my mind looking for these verses for these words of comfort and I kept searching through old childhood memories hoping that they would be embedded in there in those memories somehow that I would remember practicing to pray with my father and I would remember these words and I couldn't and I felt so unmoored in that moment and I joke about being the pork eating, alcohol drinking, premarital sex having kind of Muslim without ever having to have experienced 
the consequences of feeling disconnected from your family in a time of scrutiny and attack. There is a way that violence is so present right now that there is a lot that I understand differently and realize what it really is for and how much religion has developed as a source and tool for survival. And I, I had taken it for granted in a way. And I think, you know, in the Bay Area, it's like not cool to be religious. Mm -hmm. I have this old joke about how you can go to a party in the Bay Area and you could be like, you know, and then I discovered I had genital warts. Mm -hmm. And somebody will be like, thank you for saying that. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. Yeah. I also am yeah. dealing with that. And what is what are you doing to cope? But like if you go to a party and you're like, and that's how I found Jesus. Oh, people right? are like, that's the door. They, they turn into the Homer meme, the bush, the Homer bush. Keep that at home. <laughs> that is so inappropriate. Well, the Bay Area is it's spiritual. You're exactly. Spiritual. But you're not, you're not religious. You're not yeah. religious. Yeah. Religion has been usurped by people with political agendas. So I am finding my way back. And that's what that piece was about, is mm -hmm. about the experience of understanding how these sort of verses developed for a people under attack. And here they are for us to help us survive and reconnect with our cultural roots and how sad it is that we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Your piece is so powerful, and I love that the idea of reclaiming something so personal from these political forces that you mentioned, which have tried to politicize bodies and religion and sexuality and, you know, everything, basically. And I'm always looking for the silver lining in, in these new times, and I, it's hard to find because things are just bad right now for a lot of people. And reading your piece for Fresh Air, I felt some of that silver lining-ness mm -hmm. from it because it ends with like a scene of you and your father reconnecting over this thing that you had spent some time away from and refound. And so it was just like, all right, so out of dark times sprout interesting strengths that we didn't know we had and relationships are tested and strengthened. And so I love that about your piece. Another recalibration that's been happening probably for you is figuring out how your comedy works in this new day yes. and age. Mm -hmm. And on the podcast, you said, I don't know how to be a comedian with a gun to my head. Mm -hmm. And that was such a striking sentiment. And I was just wondering, where are you with reconciling your comedy with these dark times and where that fits in? Yeah, I was listening to your episode on comedy, which I thought was brilliant. Oh, oh thank yes. you. Oh, my gosh. Really brilliant. I kind of want to play it for everybody. Yeah. Um, everybody should listen to that episode. I like how we're all slightly smiling because a professional comedian just told us that I'll bet on comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it if there was a camera in this room. We're all kind of like, ah. <laughs> Look at my teeth. <laughs> They're right here. <laughs> The more I see Alec Baldwin portray Donald Trump on oh, SNL, mm. the more I'm like, you are just helping everybody get used to this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Normalizing. Yeah. And I think you guys were so spot on in mentioning that comedy is a the tool of the underdog and a source of bullying. And depending on how you do it, you develop an affinity for like the underdog. Right. Mm -hmm. And so our bullying quote unquote, of Trump is creating an affinity for him as an underdog. And I recently was in um, on UC Berkeley campus for Fusion Live covering the Milo Yanapa dude. Mm. Yikes. Oh, that guy. He's truly terrifying. Ugh. And there was this protest to keep him from 
speaking on campus, the Republican student union had brought him. And so the dean could not intervene. And um, Antifa showed up, protesters threw bricks at the building and set fire. So then all the buildings had to be evacuated. And that is how the show was canceled. I was at the entrance interviewing people of color and one very opinionated but shy and wounded white dude. Oh, uh, <laughs> they abound are, in Berkeley. <laughs> yeah, interesting that. And four out of five of those people were not from Berkeley. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was weird. And they had come to see Milo and were in defense of him. They felt that saying no to his speaking there was um, working against free speech. And they were so protective of this multimillionaire it was so strange to see. And I don't know that we won because they got what they wanted. They were able to say there was violence. They didn't allow him to speak. They made it a free speech issue. And then he moved on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got a lot of publicity. And it really just like galvanized his supporters there. How did it, it feel being there that night? Terrifying. I realized that I am a chicken bleep. <laughs> <laughs> Just bleep myself for you. I was going to say, we'll do that for you. We'll, we'll just do it was it. the Chicken sweetest bleep. bleep. <laughs> Chicken, Chicken bleep. bleep. Chicken bleep. My quads just were like, boom, here we go. <laughs> we are leaving. And like, I had just like this stupid smile on my face because I'm on live. And just like as I'm leaving the entrance and seeing police enter, like I'm like in trying to interview people like, hey, I'm leaving. How come you're staying? <laughs> get out. We're going to get out now. See you later. Stay safe. (laughs) And there was this old woman there who was just like hanging out, just chilling while I'm like, I'm going to die. And she was just like, oh, this is silly. And he's getting what he wants. And they should just boycott it. Why is it violent? Like, why are they doing this? And I was like, yeah, good point. I'm out of here. I'll Uh, ponder that at home. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I was out of there so fast. And another young student like stopped me and was like, don't run and then i realized why is because like when i did run then people around me were like why are you running you know and it created oh, no. well i can't panic. it's just like you I, I speak for all black people when i say that <laughs> when a person runs we all run so if i see a person running in a crowd i'm running too i don't know what's happening bye yeah so earlier you mentioned the alec ball went in snl mm. right and so i'm wondering what the atmosphere is like for comedians of color right now because i watch you know uh, Melissa McCarthy, Alec Baldwin, Kate McKinnon, all do these impressions of the new administration. And to some degree, I'm wondering if maybe white people have a little bit more, like white comedians have a little bit more openness and leverage because there may not be as much to sort of lose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I watched Dave Chappelle do his sort of his monologue and it was a lot more tempered. You know what I mean? I feel like comedians of color may have a lot more to lose right now. Yes. And so I'm wondering what the vibe is like in the world of comedy amongst comedians of color around sort of poking fun at this administration. Do you do it? Do you not? Like, what's the role in, of comedy right now for comedians of color? I'm doing a show right now. I have to use my grant money to pay for security. Hmm. Wow. Oh my God. That's how it is. And while people are like, look at you, this is a great year for Muslim comedians. Oh, my God, you're going to do so well. No, because I've been doing this 12 years. I'm not on SNL. Where are the comedians of color doing impressions on SNL? They're not safe. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated it when Samantha Bee mentioned that when Trump won, uh, her entire staff was terrified. And they were being harassed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you know, so that that's a circumstance. And I think what we're going to see is really the rise of a lot of white comedians. And that is what's happening. Mm. And what I'm not seeing uh, in order to make the space available to comedians of color to explore the irreverent comedy that we should be able to explore that exposes white supremacy for what it is, is we need to know that we're safe, mm-hmm. that we're being taken care of physically. I don't mean safe like in a healthy debate in your university classroom. I don't feel safe in this space right now. Safe. I mean, we all, we, all, we all have our pins on right now. So, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, not snowflake, not quote snowflake unquote, safe, safe. Yeah. I but mean, like safe in physical form mm-hmm. of like, I'm not bleeding right now. Right. So, and safe. Yeah. there's a guy with a gun on my side. Mm-hmm. Safe. Yeah. Right. Log cabin safe. Mm. That kind of safe. Wow. Brawny safe. <laughs> yeah. That brawny man will protect you. Thinks, Him and his flannel. Mm. Mm. Thinks underwear safe. Hello. Mm. <laughs> So we're running out of time, so we thought we would do a lightning round. I'm so excited for this. Let's quickly get your temperature check on the following things. You recently recorded at the White House. How close did you get to Barack Obama? Tell us everything. Mm. He was in the same room as me, (gasps) and I could see him. Yes. We were about the same height. But how big was the room? Okay, hold on now. (laughs) (laughs) It was a banquet hall. And I was three banquet tables away. <laughs> That's pretty close. It was two yeah. miles long. This is not too bad. Not too bad. We sure. were eating the same food. Oh. Mm. Barry. Was Michelle there as well? No. Oh. She was there. She was in his heart. Oh. He yeah, does love her tired. so much. Mm. Really does. Uh. So you often talk about the feminist matriarchy, which is coming in 2026. I'm hoping. <laughs> <laughs> and you volunteered as tribute to be the leader. Yes. So I was wondering, what would your first few executive orders be? Ooh. Ah. Well, the men are already dead. That's right. Yes. Bye, Emmanuel. I know. Yeah, it's bye. been real. The only way we get bye. this. Bye. I think maybe if I do a special application process, maybe I can <laughs> You know, I like. it's really interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that I'm struggling with is how do you write these jokes Keeping in mind that, like, the fluidity of the gender binary. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and by fluidity, I mean, like, in terms of where we are now in our consciousness of it and the work that we're trying to do with it. And, like, where, as a responsible comedian, do I, like, find the the actual punchline punchline? Right. Because I've enjoyed my whole life saying I will kill all the men. Yeah. Mm. And well, now when someone doesn't identify, what do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. So, so it's like, is there, are there the good men and the bad men? Mm. Good men, bad men. That's my new podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about, you know, the contradiction and the dichotomy. Who's the good man? Who's the bad one? I'm the bad one. I have a question. On behalf of all Muslims, I wanted to ask about the representation of Muslims in pop culture because I've just finished listening to the, the podcast where you talk about cereal in great detail. And I wanted to ask about the idea that so much of, like, the representation of Muslims and Islam in pop culture is really quite serious. Yeah, yeah. It usually goes like, um, he could be evil. We trust him. Should we trust him? Can we trust him? He might be evil. We think he's okay. He's okay. He's not. He was a terrorist the whole time. Basically. (laughs) And, like, I remember being so surprised the first time I saw one of those really quite dumb BuzzFeed list articles about, like, 20 times that Muslim Tumblr won so hard. And I was scrolling through this list of like funny Tumblr posts about being Muslim. Mm. And I was like, this is a lighthearted kind of thing that I feel like we don't see very often in quote unquote mainstream pop culture. 
I so yeah, I wanted to ask like, do you have like a favorite representation of like something that seems realistic about being Muslim in pop culture? Like something that is not the norm, something that's not super serious? You know, actually I will say Huluing Little Mosque on the Prairie. Okay, what? Yes, I need to know okay, more about I need this. To, tell me more. <laughs> I don't know if this is real or not. This is real. It had seven or more seasons. It's just lovely. Like it just like all these sort of like little things happen. It's almost it's basically like if Gilmore Girls, <gasps> right? Okay, keep going. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I just choked. Calm right? yourself. It's like if Gilmore Girls took place on a prairie with a mosque in Canada. Yes. Okay. Every episode is just like there are conflicts about family and friends in a mosque, and then they get resolved. Yay. Okay. That sounds lovely. Right? Sounds soothing. Lindsay Lohan. Good Muslim, bad Muslim. Good Muslim. Yes. We've got her. One of us. One of us. One of us. <laughs> You've got us. us. She's, she's been carrying around a Quran. She has mm. a new accent. It's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. yeah. We had a whole segment on that accent. Yeah, we did. Before. And since then, she's met with the president of Turkey. So I think we elevated her accent to the level where he's like, I need to meet this girl. Oh, it was all us. It was literally all us. We did some dangerous normalization. Yeah. <laughs> you know what is so crazy is that I am a psychic. Yes. Like, if you listen to the podcast, right, like, there are people who are binge listening to our podcast, Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, which is a trip because it's like, why would you want to relive 2016? <laughs> <laughs> no, don't go back there. Right, right. But it's been so interesting to see people's comments on Twitter because, like, I made a joke about how, like, and we were just talking about this before mm-hmm. we were recording, about how, like, Trump is clearly kidnapped, like, his children have been kidnapped by Putin. Like, after he gets off the podium, he must be like, you know, give me back my son. And Putin's like, Baron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Baron, Baron. No, you must, you must continue to speak hate. Sweet Baron. But because he, like, has the, the physicality of a terrified man, like, during the elections. And then I also had a joke about how, like, it's really good to be Muslim right now. There's no such thing as bad PR. Pretty soon, Lindsay Lohan is going to be like, I'm Muslim. Ooh. What? She's a so listener. So what you're saying is, if we listen back to old episodes of Good Muslim, Bad Muslim, you and Taz are predicting the future. So we just need to go back. Basically, okay. yes. And keep listening because we'll know what's going to happen next. At some point, Doctor Who will show up. Exactly. Stay informed, my friends. Keep listening. And we did tell you about the matriarchy of 2026. So uh-huh. I'm just waiting. I am an impatient MFer. And uh, <laughs> there's this animated gif of Britney Spears on one of her music video shoots. Mm. And she's just looking at her assistant and she says, I fucking hate waiting. And I look at that and just vibe with it You're daily. Like, I am that gif. Daily. I am that gif. I I'm don't like, imagine Britney swearing. She does. Really? Yeah. I Bubble burst. I would imagine her saying stuff like, gosh. Mm. I mean, she had the song, If You Seek Amy. Oh, yeah. And If You Say It Quickly, okay. If You Seek Amy. Thanks for clarifying that. Megan, <laughs> Megan Kelly was very upset More about of it that, on Fox please. All the girls and boys are begging to be F word. And then me. Now, that song is on the air right now. That is on the radio. It will be playing while you drive your children to school. That's your second time bringing up Megan Kelly on this podcast. Oh. Mm. Well, it was both highlighting words that are foolish. Mm. So I feel okay. good about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. We end every episode with a song. What's your song of the week? What can't you stop listening to? This place about to blow. Oh, 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 oh. Is, isn't that yeah. called the Millennial Whoop or something? They like did this article about how the uh, 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 uh happens in so many songs in the past couple of years, and it's called the Millennial Whoop.
this song by? Kesha. So let's celebrate Ke dollar sign Ha's song. (laughs) Blow. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Come back anytime. I have more questions. Let's do it. (laughs) Tomorrow. See you here again. (laughs) Not while I'm on vacation. (laughs) Still insecure. Bye. 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 Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimmy Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. 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 This place is-